0: stay standing and if you have a bible sitting in front of you of your own bible we're going to be on page 944 we're in second corinthians chapter 12 verse 7b now for some of you you think why is there a letter in there we're going to actually start right in the middle of the verse with the word therefore so we're second corinthians paul's second letter to the corinthians at least that we have record of chapter 12 verse 7 Part B, starting with the word, therefore, and I'll give you a moment, again, for those of you who want to cheat, page 944 in your pew Bible. Okay, it's not cheating. It's fine. You can use the page number. It might be easier for you. It's easier for me right now. Let's read together. Therefore, to keep me from being too elated, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from being too elated. Three times I appealed to the Lord about this, that it would leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for our power is made perfect in weakness. So I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities for the sake of Christ. For whenever I am weak, then I am strong. The word of the Lord. Be to God. Roger's trying to tell me something, and I'm trying to figure out what he's telling me. So he's telling me something about the podium. It's broken. Good. It goes right along with the sermon. Then that's good. <laughs> sermon illustration. Even in the stand that I use in front of me, I bring you uh, greetings from uh, khazar El Debar Church in Cairo, Egypt. About a week ago, I was in Cairo. Um, uh, with the mission team it was a, a group of people uh, that left Bel Air, um, went there. Um, somebody there is dancing in their seat. That's part of the team that went. Um, and uh, we did some incredible things. About a week and a day ago, we were standing at the top of Mount Sinai about 7 o'clock in the morning. We had started our hike um, from St. Catherine's Monastery about 4 o'clock in the morning. Um, You hike up in the complete pitch black. Actually, it's not pitch black because there's no uh, light pollution. You're in the middle of literally nowhere. Um, And you're climbing on this sort of this path. We have flashlights, but the stars are like nothing you've ever, ever put your eyes on. I mean, just incredible, incredible night. Um, It was a little strange. From time to time, you would be um, sort of uh, uh, scared because suddenly there would be a Bedouin man standing to the side with a huge camel. And he would say, camel, camel, camel. Which was for those people who were hiking up the hill and did not want to hike any longer and would rather get on top of a camel and hike up in the middle of the dark on a pathway with rocks and everything else. Um, those are people that really have faith, true faith, uh, to hop on that camel. Um, and um, so we were climbing up and we got to the top and, and just breathtaking. Absolutely breathtaking. Where Moses received the Ten Commandments. Um, pretty, just amazing. And then... Um, Right about this time, actually it was more during the first service than this service, but there is a, a, a service going on at Casa El Bar right now. And it's a, it's a church um, right in the, the middle of Cairo that is proclaiming the gospel. And uh, what an amazing opportunity for our team to go along, work alongside of the Mercy ministry team that they have um, in a number of different places. But uh, we were truly blessed to be there. If you can imagine, there is a place in Cairo that is a cemetery, And there are one million people who live in the cemetery as their permanent residents. I'm not sure what that card would look like if you were sending them a postcard or something, um, you know, to the dead people or something, and it would finally find its way there. One million people. Part of what TJ and the worship band are going to be doing one of the days, I don't even know if TJ knows this, but they're going to actually be walking through um, the city of the dead is what they call it. And they're going to be doing a prayer walk, basically, and praying for people along the way. If you can imagine driving down the, um, Cairo, um, you can't imagine it because driving in Cairo is a totally different story and an amazing experience in and of itself. But there are actually huge banners going across the street now that say TJ and the band playing, um, a secular concert in a, in a park. So it's amazing how God is using small teams of people from here to make a difference and for the gospel in the, um, the, the world of, of Egypt that seems really really far away right at this particular moment So I bring you greetings from from their church um, They are excited to be in partnership with us And I hope you'll continue to pray for their church and their ministry there They're doing things in the middle of um, the Middle East that w- we can only dream of doing um, Senate, We prayed for while we were there prayed for a missionary who was going to Iraq um, And uh, going to be spreading the gospel there um, I'm not sure we can do that um, Like legally or traffic wise or whatever But anyways I digress. Um, I'm excited to be with you this morning. I'm honored to be uh, asked to preach. Um, there are many on staff who have been on staff many years and never preached, and so I, I'm not sure why they did it. I think it was probably a lottery system, and I happened to win that lottery. So um, if you're not happy, then talk to them. Maybe it will change the system, and we can make that better. So, um, I've, uh, This is a passage of Scripture that um, is very very real to me and very much at home for me. And every time I teach on it or talk about it, um, I, God reveals something new in the midst of it, cuts me a new way. And so um, I am excited to get into the scripture with you. So um, let me pray and then we'll, uh, we'll dig into the scripture here together. Thank you, Lord, for an opportunity to be together. I pray that anything that I would say that would get in the way what you want to say to your people, God, that you would erase that, you would take it away, that you would filter it out, allow the the minds and the hearts and the ears of the people who are here today to hear from you, directly from you. Thank you that we are able to worship freely without fear of persecution here. And uh, we pray that we wouldn't take that lightly, but that there would be a massive responsibility on us um, in the midst of that to proclaim your word no matter where it is that we go. We thank you and we praise you and pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. So that, um, we make sure we remember where we are. We're in Corinthians, 2 Corinthians. We're talking about Paul's letter to the Corinthians. Paul, right before, excuse me, the passage that's here, he's talking about surpassingly great revelations. He's talking about people in the church who are receiving these revelations. They're seeing visions. They're doing all these amazing things. And there is a real temptation in the midst of that to say, let me tell you about these. Let me tell you how great of a God, you know, person for Jesus I am. Pay attention to what I'm doing. I am amazing. Come to my church. I'm getting these revelations. And Paul wants to make sure he nips it in the bud. And he, and he catches it and he says, no, 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 no. It's not about you. It's about Jesus. And we want to make sure you bring it into that. And so he gives us the, the, these words in, in, um, in 2 Corinthians. Let me read it to you here. I'll give a little bit of information as we go here. Therefore, to keep me from being too elated, or in some translations, I like the word conceited. The idea of conceited being thinking better of yourself than you should. To keep me from being conceited, a thorn was given to me in the flesh. A messenger of Satan to torment me. Not sort of a one-time thing like, oh, they need to get this thistle off me, you know wipe it off, but a sense that it's there and it's digging and it's always there. It's tormenting me. It's over a period of time. It's not a quick little thing to keep me from being too conceited. Three times I appealed to the Lord. I pleaded to the Lord about this, that it would leave me, but he said to me, and in some of your Bibles, if you uh, are are sort of a a person of this, I don't know, some Bibles translate this with the red letters. These are actually Jesus' words. And Jesus says, my grace is sufficient for you. For power, in some translations, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Paul goes on, so I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me, may take housing in me, may take refuge in me. That power may be right here. Therefore, I'm content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities for the sake of Christ. For whenever I am weak, then I am strong." I have to start from a place of, of, of real brokenness myself and, and, and tell you that as I sat there, I realized what I was preaching on and I preached on the first service. And so um, there were a number of people afterwards who told me nice things. And so I have to be careful that I don't become overconfident that, oh good, I don't have to worry about this service because I've already done it once and it'll all go fine. So that's to say I'm weak in the midst of that. But God does did something in the midst of this service, which was to say the stuff that you're talking about here is messy. The stuff that you're talking about here is people's lives, broken and lost and hurt. And it is not something to be taken lightly, but it's also the business of my kingdom is to deal with that brokenness and be real about it. So I don't want to take any of this too lightly as we move forward and look at this passage of Scripture. Paul was given a thorn. What is this thorn? Um, commentators go back and forth and back and forth i'll give you four potential explanations in the greek old testament the translation of the old testament in greek it f- refers to one of israel's neighbors as a thorn in the side of israel so it's actually a people group there's this group of people potentially around paul that are like you know giving him a hard time you've you've been in groups like that it's always the person who raises their hand and goes are you sure we should be doing it that way but it was different for Paul because they'd like throw rocks at him and stuff. And Paul would be like, okay, you know, that's the group maybe a group of people that's kind of a thorn in his side. I'm not, I'm not sure I'm as big a fan of that one. Um, maybe it is. Who knows? A temptation of the flesh, potentially, is a second explanation. The medieval commentaries love to talk about sexual immorality. They love to talk about sex, sex, sex. So it was probably Paul had some sort of sexual impurity or whatever else. That's the medieval uh, people. Some sort of spiritual or, or sexual um, uh, affliction. Another could be a physical weakness, a, a simple things like a, a malaria-type fever. Or, or They give him headaches or epilepsy or hysteria or leprosy or a speech impediment, some physical sort of thing that's holding him back from being able to be conceited about what he's doing. And potentially, a fourth one would be just a physical weakness. Um, in Galatians, he refers to them as Uh, willing to um, you would have torn out your own eyes and given them to me suggesting that he had trouble seeing so potentially something some other sort of physical manifestation of what's going on I I, I don't know exactly what it is but it's to say that it's tormenting him it's constantly there it is always reminding him and sort of keeping him down keeping him in a place of wanting to say okay it's not me it's Christ that's going to work through me that's going to do something worthwhile here verse 8 three times I pleaded with the Lord there, there's a sense of completion with three. There, there's a sense that there's, Jesus is tempted three times in the desert. Jesus asks that the cup be taken from him three times in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jewish blessings typically come in three. There's this idea, it's not sort of this flippant like, Oh God, would you just give me a good parking space? Oh, oh Lord, would you just make this not such nice person not sit next to me? But there's a sense of real fervency to the prayer. That it's been an ongoing prayer. It's been a, God, if you could just take this from me, I could maybe do more for you. But he realizes in the midst of it, it's there for a reason. God put it there. It is not purposeless. There is purpose to what's there. Verse 9. My grace is sufficient for you. My grace is enough. You don't need anything else. My grace is It's sufficient for you. For my power, power, dunamis is the word in Greek. Dunamis is like dynamite. It is power. It's not sort of this, oh, Jesus is going to be my friend. It's going to be great. No, it's power. It's dynamite. This power is made perfect in your weakness. It doesn't make any sense. It is not what the world wants to necessarily put out there. The world's putting out something completely different. Make sure that you have all of yourself put together just right. Make sure that you're addressed as best as you possibly can, which is why for the first service I wore a tie, because I was afraid that the, um, that first service would lynch me if I wasn't wearing a tie. And I show up and Roger's not in a tie either. So sometimes you win and sometimes you just lose over and over again. But I looked good in that tie because my wife dressed me. So thank you. Thank you, sweetheart, for picking out that tie. Um, Because I got compliments at the tie afterwards, actually. That was good. Um, But I decided that in order to really do well second service, I had to channel Mark Brewer and wear my Hawaiian shirt. So (laughs) if you miss Mark and you don't see very well, you have that impediment in your eyes, it's not Mark Brewer, it's Kenan Barber. But if you think it's Mark Brewer, that's fine. That's fine. Um, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Grace, this thing that we don't deserve. This thing that we can't earn. This thing that as much as we follow all the rules, as much as we try to do everything right, as much as we try to be perfect Christians, we can't get it. All of it is for naught because His grace that He gives to us freely is perfect. It's enough. It's sufficient. And it's made perfect in our weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses. I'm sorry, what? Not only do I have to have the weakness, I'm supposed to boast about it? Oh, this is so much fun. This whole Jesus following thing is fun. Huh. Not only do I get to have the weakness, but I have to share it with other people? Yes. Yes. Because those people out there aren't responding to the fact that we think we have all the answers. The reason any of those people come to church is because probably one of us said, I'm human and I hurt. And here's where it hurts. And they go, really? I, I hurt there too. Wow. We have something we can connect on. You mean you don't have all your stuff together? No. Huh. And you're Christian? Yeah. Weird. Weird. I mean, just weird. I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses. Oh world, hello, flip upside down. So that Christ's power may rest on me, may dwell in me, may come into me, fill me, and make me worth something. That is why for Christ's sake I delight in weaknesses, (laughs) yay, weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, difficulties, yay. I don't think that's necessarily a prescriptive list, that you have to go through all those things in order for His power to be made perfect. Okay? So some of you are like, okay, I, you know, I'm taking notes here. i, I got to have some hardships, so i got to figure out a way to go through some hardships, and i got to have some trials and insults, so I better, you know, do this or that. No, no. This is, this is for Paul. Paul's been talking about this throughout the entire book. He's talking about what he's gone through. He's being descriptive in what he has gone through. And you will go through some of the same things and some different things. But it's to say that in the midst of all those things... I will delight all the more in Christ because when I am weak, then I am strong. Three people I want to introduce you to. Three people that are, are, are dear to me. They're, 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 um, they're great people. First is Caleb, who um, about um, three or four months ago, he was supposed to get married in... in, in uh, in July, and he'll tell you a little bit about kind of what he's gone through. Caleb and Chrissy is another woman. You'll hear her story in a minute. And and Nicole, uh, Nikki, and they all have three uh, very different stories. Um, I'm going to ask you to realize these are real people and uh, with real lives, and uh, I think they will, their stories will speak um, volumes and, and illuminate the Scripture in a new way. So let's take a look at uh, what they're all about.
1: I got married in 1998 and I had what I thought was the perfect life, um, a great husband, we lived in a really nice um, part of town with a really big house and three dogs and a cat. And um, I was very, very comfortable and I pretty much thought I had it made. I thought I had the the perfect life. Um, then six years after I got married, my husband came home one day and said that he didn't love me anymore.
2: I was supposed to get married July 7th of this year. and two months before the wedding, it all completely fell apart.
3: The life that I come from was filled with um, a lot of abuse and brokenness from the time I was a child until my adult years. I was constantly searching for love and acceptance and um, wasn't getting it from my family, um,
1: which later led me into the porn industry. After my divorce, I went off the deep end. I um, partied a lot and was very much in shock and um, acting crazy and doing things that were not great. Um, And it was my way of coping.
2: There's this anger and there's also like temptation, you know, to, to numb the pain, whether it's through drugs or another quick physical relationship or something like that.
3: I left that business eleven months ago when I rededicated my life to God and during this time he he's used this time to grow me in so many
1: ways the first time that I really feel that I um, saw who God is and when he really revealed himself to me was when I was driving home about a year after the um, time when I got the news about from my husband. Uh, I was in an accident. I was driving on the freeway and um, my car was totaled. And I basically was told by the police officers and the tow truck driver and everyone that was there um, that they c- couldn't believe that I didn't die, that I should have. I was in the business for um,
3: six years. I rededicated my life. And I thought, um, from that moment on, things were gonna be easier. Um, And instead, there's been lots of struggles, trying to find um, a normal job.
2: God had opened my heart to see that he was uh, holding me.
1: And I remember thinking that, okay, I should have died. I didn't die. So therefore someone saved me and that someone is God. So my life is not my own. So I have to give him my life.
3: I just want to dedicate all of my life to God right now because he's loved me through all of this.
2: And I feel the need to like cling to God to for his uh, saving graces and for his protection and and I strive and claw for it and and spend time in prayer about it and and lots of time on the phone with friends. People
1: that tell me that God is not real, I I don't believe it ever again because I've seen too many instances in my life and the lives of people that I care about where not only is He real, but He is dying to show Himself to us. I've shared my story
3: um, online with a lot of people, just my struggles and what I've been going through. My story has reached many porn addicts who have told me that they've either burned their collection or they've decided to be a better man to their wives. Um, Women who've been abused um, have emailed me. While it's been a real struggle for me, I just feel really honored that God's going to use my life. In such a way.
0: These three uh, individuals are in different places in, in the process. That's why the title of the sermon uh, talks about perfect power and progress. The idea that um, Caleb is is really still kind of in the midst of it. It's very fresh, very new. He, he's maybe there's not a lot of Christ's power showing through him, but Christ's power is working in him to heal him, to work with him, to try to sustain him where he's at right now. I took a walk with him about a month and a half ago. Um, it was like 11 o'clock at night. It was 7-11 because we went to 7-11 to try to get a free Slurpee. And uh, we, con- we convinced the guy to give it to us. So we walked um, through some crazy area of um, Los Angeles with Slurpees in our hands, and about halfway through the walk, I said, Sir, are, how are you, really? And he kind of said, I, I don't know. And I thought that sort of summed it up pretty well. That he, there's, there, It's still in process there for him. He's not necessarily healed. He's, he's, he's dealing with kind of the worst of the worst. He's at the lowest of low. And then sort of a, a little bit further out from that is, is Chrissy and her story. And she's 11 months out of of, uh, of an industry that, that gobbled her up, uh, the, the porn industry. And some of you, boy, we shouldn't be talking about pornography in church. Bad idea. Um, the mecca for the pornography industry is about six miles that way in Northridge. Um, tens of thousands of millions of hundreds of billions and trillions and quadrillions of dollars are going through there for that industry. And you know what? God's deciding to take a little person like Chrissy... And reach back into that industry and redeem people out of it. And guess what? I can't do that. I can't. That's that's not how I'm built. That's not what I've dealt with in the past. But God is redeeming her life. And each week I come, I, Chrissy has somebody else with her. She's got somebody else by the hand. Here's my friend. She's been in the industry. She wants to find out about church. What? And you want me to be the pastor here? Ah, I'm, yeah, I don't It doesn't make sense. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Get it through your thick skull. It's not going to be Mark Brewer who saves that industry. It's not. Mark Brewer's great. Good looking. Kind of good looking. <clears throat> but he's not going to be the one who has the ability to reach back into that industry and pull people out of it. Because he doesn't know that industry. But God will use... The small and the weak. And He will show His strength in ways that will blow your mind. Put your seatbelt on. We're just getting starting to get messy. It's going to get messier. Because people here in church, once you've got a, a whole row, a whole bunch of people from the porn industry, we can't have those people in the church. What are you thinking? These are sinners. They're dirty. They're awful. And Jesus said, no, guess who gets to sit with me at the table? The prostitutes, the lepers, the people who are dirty. That's who I want at my table. And if we're not ready for that, we better get ready for it. Because if we're trying to make the city the greatest city for Christ, it's going to get messy. Be ready. (laughs) Ultimately, we can't get beyond the cross. There is no way to do it except through the cross. Now, there are some churches in the United States who would take the cross out of the church because it's offensive, it's violent, it's scary. We can't, you know, new people coming into the church would kind of scare them. Oh, there's violence and blood and oh, that's awful. Yes, exactly. That is the only way for this power to be made perfect. It wasn't about Jesus being a conqueror in the way that these disciples thought. They thought he was going to come with an army and destroy them. What does he do? He dies on a cross. Disappointing. Imagine being that, you know, it's like three years. Yeah, he's going to conquer. He's going to do great. He's dead. Oh. And then three days later, he comes back from the dead. And that is the power we're talking about. So the question for you personally, individually, you sitting in your seat in the church is where are your weaknesses? Are you aware of them at all? Has the culture gotten to you so much that you need to put up the pretty face so much that you just shoved all that weakness way down deep? I don't want anybody to see that. I'll just shove it deeper. So the wounds of childhood or from your family or from relationships or whatever else, no, I'm not going to show this. I'm going to keep those to myself. I'm going to put them down. Christ is missing out on an opportunity within you to work through those and show His strength. He's waiting for you to say, here, here, here's my brokenness. Here's my weakness. And it's scary. It's scary as all get out. And He says, My grace is sufficient for you. For the power that I'm talking about is going to be made perfect in that weakness. Some of you, this whole Jesus thing, Christian thing, whatever you want to call it, it's sort of like, I don't know. This faith thing's kind of, I don't know. And I'm telling you, you think you need to have it all together. You need to kind of get the tuxedo on before you come in to sit at the table. And Jesus is just saying, here's what I want. I want I want the pieces and the parts. Just come and bring them to the table. Come sit with me, hang out with me. This whole leap of faith thing for you is scary. But you know where you're jumping in with a bunch of people who don't know what they're doing anyways? They don't. And if they have given you the perception they know it all and they have all the answers and they've read the Bible, they don't know anything. They don't. Come join us on this like crazy journey where we go, I don't know, do you know? I don't know. i got to have faith he's going to figure it out in the end. It's going to be a really cool screenplay when it's all done. Somehow he's going to take this and weave it into the story. Yep. He's going to use that story over there and weave it in. Yep. He's going to do that. So if you haven't given your life to this Jesus guy, it's worth doing. It's worth doing today. Don't wait another day. Make sure that when there's a prayer team up here afterwards, come talk to somebody and say, I don't understand all this. I'm just as broken, as confused as yesterday. But today, maybe he might work in me to make me strong. And then hopefully the church would do a good job of coming around you and loving you and bringing you to a place of doing amazing things in your life as well. Let me read um, the passage of scripture one last time. I'm going to read it in uh, Eugene Peterson's uh, translation, which is called The Message. And if you would kind of close your eyes, get yourself in a place where you don't... There's nothing else around you. It's just you and God, and he's kind of talking to you about this. Let him reveal to you what he wants to say in the midst of this passage for you, not for the guy sitting next to you, not not for the person sitting over there that seems to need to hear this message more than, no, it's for you. So listen and hear the word of the Lord. Because of the extravagance of those revelations, and so I wouldn't get such a big head, I was given the gift of a handicap. To keep me in constant touch with my limitations. Now Satan's angel did his best to get me down. What he in fact did was push me to my knees. No danger then of walking around high and mighty. At first I didn't think of it as a gift and begged God to remove it. Three times I did that. And then he told me, My grace is enough. It's all you need. My strength comes into its own in your weakness. Once I heard that, I was glad to let it happen. I quit focusing on the handicap and began appreciating the gift. It was a case of Christ's strength moving in on my weakness. Now I take limitations in stride with good cheer. These limitations that cut me down to size. Abuse, accidents, opposition, bad breaks. I just let Christ take over. And so the weaker I get, the stronger I become. Let's pray. God, thank you that your grace is enough. God, thank you that you are working in the lives of people like Caleb and Chrissy and Nikki. Thank you that um, at the end of the road, as we, I forgot to say something about Nicole's life, and that's that she is serving you in the mission field and she is allowing um, her past weakness, her past hurt, to become your glory. Maybe some of us aren't experiencing that fruit right now. Maybe we're right in the middle of the horrible struggle. God, would you let your grace and your mercy flow onto those who are in that place. And for those of us who are kind of halfway in between like Chrissy was, I pray that you administer them and continue to give them vision for the fruit that you will show through their past and through their hurt. Give us the courage to allow our hurts to be public so that other people might get to know the good news of your gospel. And for people like Nicole, some of us are in the place where those things are in the past. Let us not be too conceited about who we are as Christ followers but that we might be humble in our service to you that you would continue to bring us to a place of getting down on our knees and realizing it is not about us it is about what you want to do in and through us and typically not for our strengths but through our weaknesses this is tough stuff God it's messy we're I think ready for that as a church so we ask you to bring it bring it to us and make us weak. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.